0: Welcome to Baby Lab, a babyology podcast about how babies learn to communicate, produced in collaboration with Western Sydney University. My name's Jamila Rizvi. I'm a writer, presenter and commentator. But most importantly for today, I'm mum to three-year-old Ruffy. If this is your first listen to the podcast, then please go back to episode three, where we busted a lot of the common myths and fears parents have about kids learning more than one language at a time. In this episode, we're gonna be building on that. We're talking about some of the incredible effects bilingualism has on the brain and how learning a language like Japanese or Thai might be your baby's best shot at becoming a musical prodigy. Oh, and making the world a better place. Yep, after the break, we're going big. You don't have to be a neuroscientist to think of a few good reasons for wanting to speak another language. I'm still dirty at my mum and dad that they never taught me. And it's meant that I'm really keen for my little boy to have a second language. But I've got so many questions.
1: Sometimes you will hear a mother say, Oh, my baby, he's two now, three now, he doesn't speak a word. Probably because he hears two languages all the time
0: there are a lot of concerns that parents have about bilingualism leading to confused babies or even language delays. And that's where the research in this field actually kicked off.
1: They are the starting point of this field, I think. They're pract- practical, but they are very important to answer.
0: At the Marx Institute at Western Sydney University, bilingualism has captured the attention of researchers like Dr. Lee Xuan Liu. These researchers believe that bilingualism can reveal some incredible abilities in babies' brains.
1: Learning two languages at the same time, your brain will wire slightly differently. It doesn't mean that you're, you are abnormal or anything, but it actually makes you more plastic, makes you more flexible, and makes you better at inhibition control. So that's, that's related to how our brain works.
0: To see how a bilingual baby develops, and how that baby might use language differently, researchers put an EEG cap of electrodes onto the infant's head.
1: So when you speak something, everything is activated. When you speak the word dog, not only dog is activated, but also cat, animals, or even some sound that are similar to dog, like dog. And then in bilingual's mind, not only one language is activated, the other language is activated too. So you have to inhibit all the competitors to be able to speak the, the right word, dog. Bilinguals are constantly doing this practice of inhibiting the other language. They want to say it, but they won't say it. For bilinguals uh, from birth, these are natural things. So they are doing this neural practice, and this actually causes the brain to deteriorate uh, later as well.
0: Constantly switching parts of your brain on and off as you switch between different languages has what researchers call cross-domain effects. What that means is that it doesn't just have a positive effect on the part of your brain that processes language. It actually improves other parts of your brain as well.
2: Learning two languages has wonderful benefits to the brain. It makes the brain more flexible, able to switch between tasks, very easily to maintain attention and to remember and store and manipulate information that you're hearing. So children that are bilingual already show these advantages because they're constantly switching between these two modes and attending to two, you know, quite often very different languages and they need to sort of shut down one part of the language in the brain and activate the other one. According to Dr
0: Karen Mattock from Western Sydney University, This doesn't just benefit babies'
2: brains. We know that um, children that are learning two languages have more flexible thinking and more flexible understanding about how language is used. They show some cognitive benefits in terms of um, memory and attention processes. And across the lifespan, we see these benefits of bilingualism in adulthood and into older age as well. So there's some evidence that using two languages across life, offers great benefit to preventing memory decline in older age.
0: Yep, bilingualism can delay the onset of age-related diseases like dementia by up to four or five years.
3: This has come from evidence suggesting that individuals who speak multiple languages throughout life get dementia up to four to five years later than people that don't. So the question here is, well, if you start learning a language late, does that also give you some benefit?
0: Dr. Mark Antonio from Western Sydney University has done fascinating studies about the impact of learning a second language as an adult.
3: One of the studies that we do here is we teach a foreign language to older adults. These are people over the age of 65, and if I'm being Bluntly honest, we don't really care if they learn the language or not. So we're using it more as a type of exercise to keep their brains active and healthy. And what we find is that individuals who take part in language training for a number of months, in this case six months, show improvements in a number of cognitive tests, which suggests to us that they're going to have better attention and better memory and better ability to Uh, ignore irrelevant information, and this is going to transfer, hopefully, if we can do it long enough, delay the incidence of brain diseases, neuropathological conditions like Alzheimer's. That's That's the ultimate goal.
0: So, if you're like me, and your parents didn't teach you a second or third language when you were a baby, not all hope is lost. It's comforting to know that we adults don't need to be good at learning a new language to get some of those positive benefits. Because while kids seem to be able to learn two languages at once without even trying, for most adults, learning a new language feels like one of the hardest things we can do. But as it turns out, one of the reasons we find it so hard to learn another language as an adult actually has to do with our hearing.
3: What makes language learning very difficult, for for me and you, is that we already know a language. So if you try to speak a language that, that is not your native language, you tend to speak it in a not completely authentic way. This is what we refer to as a foreign accent. What's less well known is that we don't only speak with an accent, we also hear. With an accent.
0: It all comes back to the very first step in how babies learn language
2: by hearing it. So, babies, young babies, are really remarkable at telling the difference between any pairs of speech sounds from any of the world's languages. And it's only through exposure and experience with one language or a second language if they're bilingual that they tune into the particular language sounds that are important in the languages they're learning. And there's a decline in sensitivity to all other sounds. So
3: when we think about an infant, an infant doesn't have a language system already in place. They're not getting those Mandarin sounds, in this case, filtered. They're hearing them through virgin ears, if you want to think of it that way. So sounds that would be very easy to tell apart for a native speaker, let's say of Mandarin, would sound completely the same to me and you. So you can't tell the difference. These are sounds that change the meaning of words. So it makes a very big difference to say mother or to say horse. Whereas in Mandarin Chinese, the difference between mother and horse is almost imperceptible to an Australian English listener in this case.
0: In the process of learning one language, a baby tunes its ear, so to speak, to be particularly focused on the types of sounds, patterns and tones that are used in that language. The flip side of this is that as we age, we become less sensitive to other
2: types of sounds that are used in languages that aren't our own. So tone languages like Mandarin and Thai have both the consonant and vowel sounds that we have in English, so they have those kinds of sounds, but they also have tone as a contrast as well. So this means that if I said the word cat in English and then I said cat, 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 it's still referring to the cute little pet you might have at home. In Mandarin, if you modify the pitch on a syllable, you could have five different words. This perceptual
0: tuning helps us to learn our native language really effectively. And it's important when it comes to learning to read. But it does mean that by about 12 months of age, our ears have lost this sensitivity to sounds from other languages. When Karen studied the differences between babies who were learning Mandarin and those who were only learning English in the first year of their lives, she found something really interesting.
2: The really young babies learning English and learning Chinese were very sensitive to hearing these differences in in tone across words. But with exposure and experience to only English, months later, so about nine to ten months of age, the infants learning English no longer were able to tell the difference between ma versus ma anymore. But the babies learning Chinese were because that is a feature that's important in their language and they've had maintained exposure to that, whereas their English children hearing no Mandarin at home were losing that ability.
0: Especially in young babies, learning tonal languages like Mandarin or Thai, their ability to retain acute sensitivity to tones gives them an advantage in other areas like music.
1: Nowadays, research shows that if you are speaking a tone language, your sensitivity to music is actually improved. And vice versa, if you are a musician, it's actually an advantage if you want to learn a tone language, it's easier for you.
0: This tuning of our ears is a huge part of the reason that we speak a foreign language with an accent. And it affects even the most incredibly fluent speakers of a foreign language.
4: There's a lot of research with Dutch speakers of English, very fluent in English, and yet Dutch doesn't have the difference between bad and bed. They they do fine with everyday conversation. You wouldn't know that they had any difficulty with this. They're really fast, they're fluent, they understand you. But if you put them in a really fine-grained laboratory test where they just have to hear that difference between pen and pan, they're um, not nearly as good as English speakers at that.
0: Professor Kathy Best is Director of Research at the Marx Institute.
4: It's something of that native Dutch listening gets retained, even after they've become really fluent in English.
0: And it's not just language that babies' ears tune into. It's also how we learn accents. As you can hear from hers, Kathy wasn't born in Australia. When she came to Australia a few years ago, her ears were tuned to a North American accent, which made it a little bit awkward on her first day of work.
4: So when I first moved here, and the second or third day that I was here, I was being introduced to colleagues and I was introduced to somebody whose name I thought I heard was Mike, but it was Mark. So he had been introduced to me as something like Mac. Coming from America, that to me sounded kind of like the way that southern U.S. people say "Mike," you know, which is Mac. <laughs> um, so there are these interesting opportunities for misunderstanding each other, even within English, across different regional accents. I'm now more used to Australian English. The accent of my ears has been tuned up to the Australian accent. I can now hear that there's a big difference between South African and Australian and New Zealand English, whereas when I first moved here, I really had trouble hearing the differences among them.
0: Coming up after this break, we're going to be looking at the advantages of bilingualism, not just for the individual or even for the family, but for the world. Welcome back to Baby Lab. My name's Jamila Risby. Now, before the break, we were talking about some of the benefits of speaking more than one language. And it's really incredible. Bilingual brains are more flexible, active, score better on a whole lot of aptitude tests. So it's good news for the individual who's learned a second language. But how about the benefit to society? How about the benefit to a community? Or even the world?
1: I grew up in a very, very monolingual environment and, and then I moved to Europe and that is super multilingual. And I see how languages can change people's mind, the way they see things as well. A language, a new language brings you not only a language but also a culture, the way of understanding things, the way of understanding people. And that will bring us a brighter future. And when is the best time to learn a language? We have to start from the infancy.
0: For Dr Lishuan Liu, this worldview was the reason he started researching bilingual babies in the first place.
1: The world is not um, a very peaceful place that we live in. Of course, we are living in a relatively peaceful era still. I think there's still a long way to go. What causes this lack of understanding of each other, lack of communication? It's very, very interesting. There are several studies are accompanied to the social understanding of bilingualism. The first part is theory of mind. Theory of mind is to understand that what other people are thinking is different from what you're thinking. This sounds really silly, but actually, if you are before three years old or, uh, or even younger, you, your world is the world.
0: Studies have shown that bilingual or multilingual babies perform better at these theory of mind tasks. Essentially, developing an understanding that different people have different ways of being, different ways of speaking, and different ways of feeling
1: bilingualism increases social understandings because they actually have to understand. I have to talk to this person with this language and the other person with the other language. It creates this kind of consideration and understanding towards things as well. So it's very important to build up the, this kind of so theory of mind to understand that you know, other people have, can have thoughts that are different from your, yours. That increases social understanding and bilingual kids are doing much better at this one than the monolingual kids I do believe that the capability of understanding and flexibility, these traits that are associated with bilingualism, will benefit bilingual kids uh, throughout their lives. Um, That creates a harmonious society. That creates a better understanding society. Um, It also benefits them because they are more flexible and therefore adaptive to this world.
0: Now, at a general level, monolingual babies don't perform as well as bilingual babies in these kinds of tests. However, monolingual babies who've been exposed to other languages, even if they don't understand them, can perform just as well. If
1: you have limited exposure, if you know there exists exists different languages, you perform as well as the bilingual infants in that study. So to know that there's, there are other languages existing in this world, just this s- simple notion will already increase the social understanding of your kids.
0: Research shows that if your child has experienced hearing other languages at the playground or at preschool, it can greatly improve their social skills. And in a country like Australia, that could be an incredible advantage.
1: This is really an advantage uh, in Australia that there are so many languages in the world gathering over here. I would say if you have it, why not uh, use it? If your kid has mere exposure to a second language, then they also will get better at this kind of social understanding situations. So they are good, as good as the bilingual kid in this particular experiment. So from a selfless or a selfless reason, (laughs) I think we should introduce Yeah.
0: I've always thought that exposing my little boy to lots of different cultures and languages was good for him from a celebratory and tolerance perspective. But it turns out it's more than that. Being exposed to the rich multicultural fabric of Australia is good for his brain development. And that's good for all of us. Baby Lab is a Babyology podcast produced in collaboration with Western Sydney University. To find out more about bilingualism and all the awesome research we've talked about, you can head to our website, babyology.com.au slash podcast. Baby Lab is hosted by me, Jamila Rizvi. The series is produced and edited by Caitlin Gibson. And Tim Ritchie is head of podcast.
4: The Baby Lab team would love to hear from you. In the final episode of this podcast series, we'll be answering your questions. Have you ever stared at your baby late at night and wondered what on earth is going on inside that tiny head of theirs? Do you have a burning science question about your baby or babies in general? Email babylab at babyology.com.au and stay subscribed for the final episode 8 where your questions will be answered by an expert.